Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Mikates Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas Mikates. Our Aliyah is about Yosef, the Viceroy. It is 14 Sokim long, running from Perak Mem Aleph Posuk Lamed Test 2 Nun Beis. Let's take a look at a brief overview and then we'll jump into some points to ponder. We hear now that Paro now turns to Yosef and he says, After Hashem has told you all of this, there's, there's no one who's quite like you in wisdom and in foresight. Um, you will be in charge of my house. You will feed my people. Uh, the only thing that's going to be above you is the Kisei, the throne, which is meaning himself. And then Paro says, I've given you in charge of all of Egypt. He takes off his ring and he gives it to Yosef. He gives him special royal garb, puts a, a revid zahav, there's a chain of gold on his neck, and he puts him on his Mirakeresa Mishnah, on his chariot. He calls him Avreich. His determined ability and, uh, and, and gives him a full reign over the country. And um, he says that nobody can do anything without your permission in the land of Egypt. And he calls him a new name called Tsofnas Paneach. And he marries him off to um, Osnas, who's the daughter of, of Potiphera, the, the, pre, uh, the priest of On. And he also goes and he goes out over all of Egypt. At this point in time, he is the, the ripe age of 30 years old as he takes power over the, essentially the most powerful empire the world has yet known. Um, and that's what he does. He, for these seven years, he starts c- collecting and he, st- he sets up a whole system of government to collect and he makes storehouses and he places all the, uh, the, the incredibly um, large amount of grain that's accumulated into these storehouses and um, and is very successful at this. this point in time, before the, the Shnasara, before the times of Famine, Yosef has two children. The first one he calls Menashe. Why? Kinoshani Elohim es kol amoli ve'es kol beis of Yashem is help me forget all my suffering and the ha- my house of my father. And the second one is called Ephraim. Ki Ephrani Elohim be'eretzoni Yashem is called me to cause me to succeed in the land of my suffering. Suffering obviously being a theme. It looks like one is looking backwards in names and the other one is looking forwards in names. A few basic ideas to point over here is First thing, just worthwhile noticing, and this this aliyah is very much about what a successful diaspora Jew, Israelite, Hebrew looks like. Um, and this is the one who can succeed while still maintaining their own identity. On the one hand, having the trappings of the world around them. At the same time, also maintaining the morality and maintaining their vision and their tradition. It's interesting that the greatest Kiddush Hashem here is expressed when Parot turns to him and says, because God has given you this, once I see the godliness in you, and that humility in you, then I know, understand that, that really there is no one who's greater than you. And this perhaps takes us back to the words that are going to be in um, Sefer Devarim, where it says that people look at us and say, That's sort of a national expression of what Yosef is representing here on a particularistic um, standpoint. Now, a few basic questions. What's the significance of Yosef's new name? So the Malbim says, this is just some, simply a practical measure of giving, um, of giving him a name. So it's disguising his slave origins so that nobody's going to um, have a problem with him taking rule. Um, and the, that's why Ibn Ezra says the name is Egyptian, so we just don't know what the meaning is. However, there are now Mephoshim who said that we do understand certain meanings of it. So the Bechor Shor, as an example, says that the reason why kings' names change the names of Hebrews is because they had trouble with the Hebrew pronunciation. The Dasa Kenim says, well, what does it actually mean? It's actually a notricon, it's an acronym for the word Pitpet Neged Tavosa Potifar Anon Nafshoichinam. So that he was a, a righteous person who was able to speak against his natural inclinations and desire, desires, and, uh, and Potiphar um, answered for his soul for nothing. So this is a, a, a sort of like a very interesting interpretation as to um, his history. This is not probably not the reason why Paro named him such, but it is a reflection in the an innuendo into his name as well. The Ksavah Kabbalah actually says that in Hebrew it refers to the idea of 
Paneach side, which means uh, re- revealing secrets. Sofnas Paneach is hidden, which is that uh, which is um, uh, which is hidden. He reveals, and so that's why, he, in terms of his interpretation of dreams. But in the Egyptian, actually, he says that it comes from the la- the language of our savior. Okay, so it's referring to our our our, our savior. Um, it is interesting to note that actually in Josephus, um, he calls this uh, the finder of mysteries, and in the, the Vulgate. Um, um, quoting Saint, Jer- Saint Jerome says the translation is Salvator Mundi, which means Savior of the World. So there's where these interpretations are coming from, as well. All, all making sense in terms of Yosef's um, job, whether it be his job was um, the interpretation of dreams, or where it was actually saving the known world because of his economic policies. Now, who is this Osnas? Who is this young lady? So the Torah says, well, she actually was the daughter of Potiphar. Why was this a significant marriage? Well, first of all, it gives credence to Yosef in terms of, you know, being part of the nobility of Egyptian society. Um, it also now silences any of Potiphar's potential claims or um, memories or blackmail that he may have because it's his own daughter that's at stake as well. So this is why it's an important marriage. Um, now it brings him into the rings, the social circles of, of Egypt. The Chomas Anach, which is the Chidah, actually has a little bit of a different interpretation. This is based on the Medrash, quoted by many of the Mepharshim, that really Osnas was the daughter of Dina, and um, she was the product of the, ra- of the rape. She was rejected from the family of Yaakov, and so Yaakov um, gave her a kamiya, which is an amulet, on her neck, and, and she was sent out, and uh, she, was, uh, she went and, and, and survived herself among the bushes. Um, uh, that's where she sort of went to the wilderness, her name is Sneh, Osnas from the word Sneh, um, from the word bush, and uh, the Malach Gabriel came and saved her, brought her down, and she was adopted by um, Potiphar and his wife, and when Yosef became the king, that's when um, when he would go through public, he, many of the young ladies would, would uh, throw things at him, uh, because of his good looks, because of his power, and when she, this young lady, Osnas, threw her, her this kamir, this amulet, um, uh, and uh, at Yosef, Yosef looked at it and realized that she, in fact, was the daughter of Yaakov and family. And so there's a reconnection to, a, uh, in a certain sense, his Semitic relig- uh, um, origins rather than the Canaanite um, um, connection of, through Egypt. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to take a little further, that, as the Chida points out, that actually when it gives the brachas of Yosef as well, it describes... Ratzon Shochni Sne. Later on in Sefer Devarim in Parshas Vezosa Bracha, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to say is that the that Yosef is going to be the one who brings about the will of the one who dwells in the bushes. That refers to Lechora. It would seem to be the one who dwells in the bush of the the Snera and Asherinenu Ukal, the burning bush. But it could also refer to Osnas, who through her travails and Yosef through his travails was able to unite and create a nation and take their very very bitter and difficult lives and ex- uh, and um come out of that goddess as upstanding citizens, as upstand, uh, upstanding monotheists, and people continuing the tradition of their parents, even though they went through very complicated seeming rejections, both in their own right. And that's part of the magic. That's part of the, the legacy of what Yosef and Osnas were able to create together, the, which is a very powerful idea. The last question to ask in this idea, which is a very complex question, is that why is the name of his first son he forgot? What does it mean he forgot? He wants to forget his father? Why would he want to do that? So there are interesting interpretations. There are those who suggest that maybe he thought his father perhaps was implicated in the sale. His father sent him down to his brothers. Maybe this is all a setup to get rid of him. So perhaps that's what's going on over here. However, going in a different direction, the Akedas Yitzhak says is that the way to read it is the following is that when he looked back at his past, it wasn't that he forgot, but he did not look back at his past in hate, pain, and conflict. 
the Rav Yitzhak Aramahim was saying that there are many people who live with the ghosts of their past and they can't get they can't get out of the chains, the shackles of what their past was. They're dictated. Their, their entire presence and future is is dictated by the experiences and the suffering of their past. Yosef was able to say, Nashani Elohim as Kolamoli. I'm not going to be affected. I'm not going to be defined by the scars of my past. That's what he was saying. It's not that he wants to forget his father, but when he looks back on it, it's without animosity. That's a very big a very big step to take. In fact, this is very much autobiographical of Rav Yisak Aramah himself, who was one of the great Spanish teachers, and uh, he only he passed away in the year 1494, having survived the Spanish expulsion of of, Jew, of, of Jews. He settled in Naples. This is one of the most cataclysmic events in Jewish history in the last 2,000 years, and he himself perhaps was, was talking about his own experience as well, as well um, in terms of being able to move beyond. Another interpretation is that of Rav Shimshon Rafael Hirsch, who explains that Nashani doesn't mean forget, but it comes from the word in Hebrew, Noshe. Noshe means a creditor. What Yosef is really saying is that he is a creditor, his, uh, his suffering is his creditor. Meaning to say he owes his station in life now to the suffering, to his father's house, to all the very difficult moments in life that led him to this point as well. Rather than look at it from a, de- from a, from a perspective of pain and suffering, he looks at it from the perspective of owing a debt to his experiences. Every step of the way, as painful and as arduous as it may have been, was a necessary step to get him to where he was, to the station in life where he was standing right now. Very beautiful, very uh, interesting perspective. Well, perhaps we'll close the story. Uh, Professor Yav Eliach has a beautiful book called The Hasidic Tales of the Holocaust, and she describes in Bergen-Belsen that um, they, they wanted to light a menorah in Bergen-Belsen. They didn't have any oil, of course. They used a little bit of shoe polish, which they were able to use for this. And the Bluzh of a Rebbe was there, and they gathered. It was the first out of Hanukkah, so it's the time of, of Mikates, and they gathered around to light the candles for the menorah. And he lit the first candle, and all the people around him, Baruch HaTashem he describes the bracha on the on the on the candle. Then he says the bracha, Sha'asanisinavosenu. And then when he was about to get to the third bracha, he stopped and he looked around and he hesitated. And then he lit the third one and said, Sheikh Yanovakiamanu. And um, standing in among the audience, there was a person by the name of Mr. Zaim um, Mr. Zaim Tchaikovsky, who was one of the leaders of the Warsaw Bund, he came over to the Rebbe afterwards and he said, Spira, his name was Rav Spira, he says, you're a very clever and honest person, but how could you, how could you say, how could you say that bracha today, tonight? And so the the of a Rebbe says, you know what, you're, you're exactly right. I was about to stop. I wasn't going to say that bracha. And I looked around. I perhaps wanted to see where the Rebbe of Zanner and other Rabbi Bonim were around me and wondering if I should really say this bracha or not. And then as I looked around, I saw all these, this large crowd of living Jews, their faces expressing faith, devotion, and deliberation as they were la- la- listening to the rite of the kindling of the Chanukah Na'at. And I said, if, I sh- it, if Hashem has such a nation that at times like these, when during the lighting of the Chanukah lights, they see in front of them the heaps of bodies and their beloved fathers, brothers and sons, and death is looking from every corner, and despite all that they stand in throngs with devotion to listening to the Chanukah brachas of Ashasanisinavosenu, then in fact that is a Shechiyanu. And that's perhaps the, 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 the idea. Yosef is saying over here is, is that it's not despite his suffering, it's because of his suffering, that suffering itself made him, made him worthy of the station of where he is now in life. With this we close the third Ali. In the meantime, have a wonderful, meaningful day.